Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us and for those of you watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, glad you could join us today. We begin in the U.S., where President Donald Trump is embroiled in what we Filipinos refer to as a Hello Garcia scandal. See, just like former Philippine President Gloria Arroyo, Trump was caught in a recorded call pressuring a top election official to secure victory in the polls. Our North America Bureau Chief T.J. Manotok joins us now with details. Good afternoon from Manila, T.J. Good evening from San Francisco and hello, Carmina. You're right. That is what a lot of Filipinos are reacting to right now. A shocking development in the efforts of President Donald Trump to overturn the results of the November elections after a recorded call surfaced, first reported by the Washington Post, revealing Trump pressuring and threatening Georgia's top election officials to overturn his defeat. Trump repeatedly pressured Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find enough votes so that he can win the southern state that carries 16 electoral votes that Joe Biden won by just 11,779 votes, the first time a Democrat won it in 28 years. Let's listen to excerpts of that one-hour phone call with President Trump, his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and Georgia Secretary of State and election officials. All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes which is one more that we have, because we won the state. Casey, the fight over the results of the recent U.S. election continues as a new U.S. Congress convenes on January 6. 11 senators have vowed to vote to reject the Electoral College votes of some states on Wednesday as, quote, not lawfully certified unless Congress appoints a commission to conduct an emergency 10-day audit of election results. Now, Texas Senator Ted Cruz is leading this initiative that critics say will surely fail and will cause at least a two-hour delay before Vice President Mike Pence has no choice but to do a ceremonial and symbolic duty to certify the count of the Electoral College and declare Joe Biden the winner. Casey? Right, TJ, you know, this recording spreading like wildfire. Um, people really just couldn't believe what they were hearing. Some calling the president a bully and a criminal. But here's the thing. Can he actually get what he wants without the support from his party? And can he do this alone? TJ. Well, it seems like they're doing this in parts. I, it, it, I, it's highly unlikely that they're very coordinated in how they're actually trying to do this. But what seems to be happening here, he's trying to at least get one state, at least one state first, to overturn the results. And he's looking at Georgia because it's one of the slimmest leads, 11,779 votes. And he wants to prove that either there was massive irregularities or even better for his case, massive fraud. And from that, if they do overturn that and change that, that uh, result in that state, He's looking to possibly mount from that to push for the other swing states to be investigated because at least there will be some proof for his side that there was fraud and there was massive irregularities. Now, this may be in line with what the 11 senators are trying to do when they reject the Electoral College votes of on Wednesday that they say are not lawfully certified and they want to attend the audit. Now, it's interesting to see whether they are in sync, they're doing this together, but it, it, it doesn't seem like that right now was what a lot of uh, critics are saying, whether Republicans or, you know, Democrats, he's just doing damage right now to the Republican Party in the short term for that runoff election on January 5, 
for the two remaining Senate seats because he's undermining the integrity of the Georgia elections, which is having another election in just two days. Correct. And then we're looking at the long-term effect on the Republican Party, how this will affect everybody else, you know, the, the ones who are posturing already for 2024 who want to run for president and and those senators and congressmen who have re-elections coming in just two years. So that's why a lot of them actually are quiet in the Senate and they don't want to join these 11 senators. They just want things to pass without having to, to say something. But they're going to be probably forced to put it to a vote. Mm. And they're going to be on the line with the Trump supporters and, and his loyal base. And they're going to be tagged either side, whether they, they're a rhino, which Trump says is a Republican in name only, or they are a Republican Trumper or a Trump publican as what they're trying to say right now. Well, talking about his loyal base and his supporters, where are they in all of this? Um, is he getting massive support still, even with this audio recording spreading like wildfire, TJ? Well, it seems like they have complete and, and utter faith in, in his belief that he was uh, cheated and this election as rigged. I mean, we haven't seen any recent surveys to quantify that kind of support. But if you just dare to jump in the rabbit hole of Twitter or where a lot of Republicans and conservatives are now in this new social media site called Parler, it seems like that so far. They have this belief that he was really cheated and he was really in this election was massively rigged with this, you know, major operation of, of uh you know, electoral uh, officials from many states, including the Republicans, and they believe that this is a this was a fraud, and and it's it's interesting to see how this will develop. Whether this particular effort will make any change in how they see what he's trying to do, because again, people are already saying this is you know tiptoeing on legality, whether mm -hmm. it could be illegal that he was pressuring and and threatening these election officials, or at the very least immoral and unethical. So what kind of damage it'll do for the Republican Party moving forward? And, and, and so far, no major Republican has spoken today to defend his phone call, except there was one, I forget his name, is a local uh, official who, who tried to claim that the, the one hour audio that the Washington Post revealed was edited and that supposedly there was a disclaimer at the beginning that this is just for you know gathering of evidence and and and, and you know planning out something but the washington post reporter who broke the story immediately debunked that and said this was in full there was no edit and you can listen to it one hour it, it starts with a hello you know right. hello this one this is who's on the line and so and so forth till the very end so um well it's, tj it's before you continue talk to us again about the timestamp of this recording when did it happen um it was yesterday saturday only just, yesterday. just less than 24 hours ago so you know you wonder who leaked this how this came out and you 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 would think that there's somebody there who has belief in the system and 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 have faith that that this needs to be brought out in the open because they could have kept it amongst themselves mm -hmm. they could have stopped there and said mr raff uh, you know raffsenberger and said you know they were you know they were denying his claims they were saying no sir there's no evidence of what you speak of and they could have left it at that right because you know they were just pressured and said you got to do it today you got to do it before tuesday's runoff because of this election and so on and so forth but somebody had the guts and the courage to leak this out to the washington post and for the world to hear well, meanwhile, you have President-elect Joe Biden continuing the conversation about how he's going to lead the nation a little over two uh, a little over two weeks before he assumes office. How important is it, TJ, for him to stay on track in terms of informing the public about the brand of his presidency? Well, it's interesting right now because it seems to to be that the most important thing right now on his list, as he had promised, and clearly in terms of you know what is obviously a, of you know the sense of urgency right now is handling this pandemic you know we are still expecting you know experts have estimated 
more than 80,000 people will die in the next three weeks because of the, just, just based on the, the mathematics of the curve that we are currently on. And they have yet to see the numbers from the post-holiday travel and gatherings. Mm. So this could even still get worse. And vaccinations have been extremely slow and way off target. I mean, it's great news that the vaccines are out, two have been approved, but only 12.5 million have been distributed throughout the country and only 2.6 million have been vaccinated. This is so far off from Operation Warp Speed's promise of at least 20 million vaccinations by the end of December. So again, Biden will be inheriting a major logistical headache of how to get these vaccines out, how to get the counties enough money to get them in the arms of the people who are willing to take them right away, and as well to continue to mitigate the spread with all the rhetoric that needs to come out of the White House in terms of the health protocols, wearing a mask, being socially distant, and so on and so forth. So that seems to be top of mind for, for, for uh, the incoming president, uh, Joe Biden. But this is interesting, you know, whether he's going to comment on this or not, um, whether his Justice Department, who they say will just act independently and do what needs to be done, whether they will take action in this uh, once they assume office in three weeks' time. Well, finally, as you were speaking there, TJ, we were showing footage of Vice President uh, Mike Pence. Curiously, um, you know, where is he in all of this? Uh, as you mentioned earlier, he may just be the one um, that will tip this one over. But uh, what have we been hearing about uh, the Vice President? He has been extremely quiet. <clears throat> he has been really choosing his moments where he will speak up or say something. In fact, he did say something with regards to what the 11 senators plan to do on January 6th. And he says he respects them. He respects their their right and their effort to uh, try to uncover more um, truth and or evidence if there was electoral fraud or not. But he's, you have to notice his word. He's very, very safe. He's not going over the line and uh, going as, as grand and, and outrageous as President Trump and his loyal supporters, you have to understand, this is a man who seems to want to still run and keep his career going, and he's in line. You know, he's up there, has a chance to, to, to run in 2024. First, he has to stay in the good graces of President Trump as well, because he's going to need that Trump endorsement in, in two years or three years' time if he's going to posture for 2024. So he's in a very interesting position, Carmina, mm. where he's in this pickle where he doesn't want to undermine democracy. And at, this, in, at the same time, he doesn't want to, you know, aggravate the loyal Trump supporters who he will need in the next time he will go up for an election. So he's, he's, he's the most interesting, you know, person in all of this right now, that piece of the puzzle. And he will just be forced really to do something that, you know, that he has to do on this on January 6th, and we'll see what the reaction will be after that. I guess we'll be speaking to you then. Our North America Bureau Chief TJ Manotok joining us uh, today. Thanks again, TJ. Happy New Year Thanks, to you yeah. and the rest of the family. All right, back here in the newsroom here at home, a name recall, popularity, and being the president's daughter are what propelled Davao City Mayor Sara Duterte Carpio to top of Pulse Asia's recent survey on possible presidential candidates for 2022. That's according to Pulse Asia's Ronnie Holmes. The survey released last week showed Duterte Carpio as the most preferred presidential candidate, with 26% of respondents choosing her. 
it's a basically a not exactly a high uh, pre-electoral support for uh, the president's daughter for the Bau City mayor in the Isara Duterte. Uh, and if you look at the survey results, uh, a large proportion of the support will come from Mindanao on election day and closer to the elections. There are a number of factors that will influence voting disposition. One would be the campaign strategy that the candidate himself or herself would uh, employ. The second one, which I think is very important to note, the incumbent really has so much control of resources and how much of that resources would be effectively used to generate support for the anointed is the one that is most critical. Uh, if the candidate, if the incumbent is popular, then that means that those resources will really be supplemental. Mayor Duterte, for her part, says she has no plans to run for president in 2022 and asked survey organizations to remove her from the list of choices. The Philippine Commission on Elections, or COMELEC, backs proposals for absentee voting among seniors in the 2022 elections. COMELEC spokesperson James Jimenez says this will help protect the elderly from the threat of COVID-19. He admits crowded polling precincts may be a problem during the elections. He says the COMELEC can also study the use of a mail-in voting system for seniors, but he admits the process can be quite complicated. Kami sa COMELEC, we support these alternative methods. Gusto natin yan. Pero specifically talking about mail-in voting, tandaan po natin na hindi lang COMELEC ang kailangan kausap dyan. Kailangan kausap dyan, post office din, ano? yung postal service natin. Because syempre, it's the postal service that will carry the bulk of the work there. The Philippine government refuses to fund the clinical trial of Sinopharm's COVID-19 vaccine. Science and Technology Secretary Fortunato de la Peña says Sinopharm gave the government two options. Either fund the vaccine clinical trial or simply honor China's authorization of its vaccine. The Department of Science and Technology insisted the Philippine government will only fund clinical trials under the WHO Solidarity Trial. The COVID-19 drive-through testing center in Quirino Grandstand, well, that one has reopened. Jackie Pascual joins us now with that story. Jackie, go ahead. Good morning, Carmina. The COVID-19 drive-through serology testing center at the Quirino Grandstand in Manila has reopened to the public today after a two-week closure. Several cars lined up at the drive-through center together with motorcycles and tricycles as many wanted to get tested via the serology or rapid antibody test, which is being given for free for all, not just Manila residents. Results will be given the next day via email. The drive-through testing center started around June last year, but it stopped temporarily before Christmas for the holiday break. And around 8 this morning, many lined up for the test, the first for the year. Some of the reasons people availed or are, are availing of the free test are some say they need the test so they can return to work. 
or to go back to their provinces, while others wanted to just have a peace of mind. Aside from the drive-through test, the walk-in COVID serology tests have also resumed operations in many public district hospitals in Manila, including the Hospital ng Maynila and Hospital ng Tundo. The tests are also being given for free. RT-PCR tests or the COVID swab tests are also available in select hospitals for free in the city. Armina, back to you. Thanks a lot, Jackie Pasquale. They're joining us on the line. Happy New Year, Jackie. Back here in the newsroom, the Philippine Investigation Bureau are looking into the controversial COVID-19 vaccination of President Duterte's security detail. It plans to reach out to vaccinated PSG personnel, as well as the Food and Drug Administration and the Customs Bureau. The agency is also looking at a possible violation of the Tariff Customs Code. For those who were vaccinated, the NBI says the level of liability may vary. Dun sa pagbakuna, kung alam nila, do they know na hindi yan registered? Maybe the persons uh, involved or he gave, who, who gave the uh, go signal. We will have to know from them. That's why uh, it's important for us that uh, we invite them for us to know kung uh, do they know na registered yan. The Presidential Security Group did not violate any law when its members received and authorized COVID-19 vaccines. That's the opinion of Senator Ronald De La Rosa, who says it was a personal decision of those who were immunized. De La Rosa also believes the Food and Drug Administration's approval of vaccines is a mere formality. But for Vice President Lenny Robredo, the Duterte administration should be transparent about the vaccinations using unauthorized and supposedly smuggled COVID-19 vaccines. Maraming tanong and ang, ang sa atin ka, Eli, yung hinihiling natin, yung transparency. Sana walang cover-up kasi ganun yung pakiramdam ngayon. Nakikita ko ka, Eli, sa Twitter, nakikita ko sa social media. Marami yung mga claims na hindi pinapaniwalaan ng tao. Ito yung ayaw nating mangyari. Ito yung ayaw nating mangyari kasi sa panahon na mayroong pandemia, sa panahon na kailangan yung tiwala ng tao nasa effectivity ng pagbabakuna. Hindi natin kailangan yung mga kontrobersyang ganito. The Philippines' COVID-19 task force is set to deliberate whether they will impose a temporary ban on more countries that recorded cases of the new COVID-19 variant from the UK. The new variant has already spread to at least 30 countries, such as China, which recorded two cases, and Vietnam, which lodged one. The Philippines has banned travel from 20 countries so far.
Meanwhile, local experts have started genome sequencing to determine whether the new COVID-19 variant has reached the Philippines. In sports, the Washington Wizards edged the Brooklyn Nets 123-122. to Bradley Beal had 27 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. The last one leading to Thomas Bryant's go-ahead basket with less than 15 seconds remaining. The Nets had two shots to win the game, but Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant missed both. The Wizards have now won back-to-back games after losing the first five. The Nets dropped to 3-4. and four. In Memphis, the defending champions Los Angeles Lakers notched their third straight victory. LeBron James led the Lakers' fourth quarter run as they coasted to a 108-94 win. The four-time MVP scored the Lakers' first 10 points of the final quarter and finished with 22 points, 13 rebounds and 8 assists. The Lakers now have a 5-2 card while the banged-up Grizzlies slid to 2-4. And that'll do it for today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Play back this newscast too on ANC's YouTube channel and on 24-7 on Facebook. Keep safe, you guys. Keep it here on ANC.